Mark today in your calendar, May 28th of 2021. This could very well be the day we look back and say it all started here. Uh, A big push into the future for Springfield uh, with a a detailed and an ambitious plan that was laid out this morning before the Citizens Club of Springfield. It's called The Next Ten. Now, we talked about this on the air when this project got underway. We encouraged people to go online and to offer their contributions, and people did. And those ideas became the basis for this plan for Springfield's future. This has all been a project of the Community Foundation for the Land of Lincoln, and John Stremsterfer, Executive Director, is here with us this afternoon. And thanks for taking the time. I know it's been a momentous day for you. Well, happy to be here, Jim. And I hope uh, hope you're right that we look back on this day as a day that where a whole lot of good things got started here in the community. Uh, I, I want to focus on where we go from here, but we have to have a sense of how we got here. So give sure. us a very quick history of how the Next 10 project came together. Yeah, well, it really came together. It started in 2019 from some strategic planning at the Community Foundation at our board level of thinking with our organization as we've grown, we've really been on a steep trajectory of growth, which is exciting for the community and grant making and activity, people setting up new charitable funds. So we took stock and thought, how can we better serve the community? And we we kind of thought about, well, maybe we could do a community visioning project very broadly and in 2020, in the, our late February board meeting, voted to move forward with that project and put bids out for consultants to help us. And then two weeks later, the whole world changed in a global pandemic. So we paused it a bit. But then as we kind of got used to our new reality in COVID um, time, that we thought it may be more important now, and this project could be used as almost a recovery plan for the Springfield area coming out of the pandemic. That all said, um, it really, the name The Next 10 came from some conversations internally with the consultants we were working with, and then we branded it with a really forward-looking um, ethic to it, where we want to think, well, what are the, we going to be in the next 10 years from now? But let's get closer, 10 months from now, 10 weeks, who are the first 10 people we need to get involved? And really kind of this aspirational, forward-moving project was the, the idea behind it. And then when we, um, before we launched out to get ideas from the community, because that was a really core principle that we wanted to hear from the people. What do people want to see? And I, I've often said the, or, the next 10 is not the origin story of every good idea. And so we, a lot of these ideas have been around a long time, but we got a lot of really cool ideas submitted on the website. But we knew all along, I think, when we were conceiving of this, we wanted to be real. We wanted to be based in some kind of reality and project-oriented, and we kind of had three things, three principles that we wanted to have come out of this. To not announce anything today that didn't have someone who's stepped up and said, we'll be the leader, we'll champion this and be the coordinator or convener of that project. Two, if we don't have the funding lined up today, and some of these projects we do have funding lined up, we, want to, we think it's real. We think there's actual funding to be had, grants that can be written for from the state, federal, private philanthropy, whatever it may be. And then three, uh, to get it done in the near term. We are a little loose on that, I, will, I must admit, but I believe that we can get going on all of these projects pretty quickly, at least you know, taking the first step down the road to achieving that you know, sometimes very ambitious long-term goal. So those three things were really important. That's why we think this may be different than some of the efforts pursued in the past, and we are really excited to get moving on all of them. Uh, we don't have the time to go through each of the 10 points individually. Mm-hmm. You can see those at TN10, TN the number 10.org. Uh, it covers a, a lot of ground there, but I, I want to go through some of the big 
points on this um, because, as you noted, we've we've had these sorts of ideas and plans and things before. One thing that jumped out at me uh, is talking about really trying to bolster uh, investment and economic development on the east side mm-hmm. of Springfield. Uh, I can't tell you the number of news conferences I've been to, the number of policy discussions I've been to on that very subject, and very little has changed in 25 years on that. And as a practical matter, uh, you, know, you, you are dealing with some really intractable issues of just it's hard to shake capital loose to invest in an area that is already underserved and struggling how do you do that differently when it hasn't been able to to be changed significantly in 25 35 50 years well first of all it's gonna be really hard i suspect um but naming specific properties on the east side of springfield i think was important here and pillsbury is you know a huge property and it's explicitly made and named as a catalytic project it's a lot of work that needs to be done before something can positively happen there in my opinion but it's there and i think we have some conviction for it and the moving pillsbury forward group is uh determined to make headway so that's one uh we mentioned explicitly in the plan three specific historic sites in east springfield and i think uh it's an undercelebrated portion of american history the african american experience and i think we have a really rich story to tell in the home of abraham lincoln where obama launched his presidential career but also for those seeking some kind of uh journey of american history springfield has a richer story to tell i think for what has historically been our, our African-American par- portion of the city. So naming specific properties, I think, is important. But then when I think of what are the tools at our disposal, the opportunity zones that were came about during the Trump administration is maybe the one thing that, that both sides of the aisle kind of agreed on and the big tax bill under Trump was to create opportunity zones. The entire east side of Springfield practically is in an opportunity zone. I feel now with uh, the Growth Alliance getting its legs un- under them under Ryan McCready's leadership, it's time to deploy that economic development resource to incentivize investment in East Springfield. It's real. That can really happen. You can get money from outside of that community into that community if those tools are used properly. Also, I, I, and I'll stop after this one, It is a unique time in American history with these recovery plans and also in the state of Illinois for some specificity to find resources for disadvantaged communities or underserved communities, whatever the the term we're using. It's more um, available now than I don't than I think I've ever seen in my lifetime. So that gives me some hope with better coordination and real projects in mind. We can finally make some headway. John Stremsterfer here, the Community Foundation for the Land of Lincoln. We're talking about the Next 10 project. As you noted, one of the interesting differences about this is that for each of these areas, you have identified uh, one or more entities to really sort of take the lead, be the the cheerleader, the champion for it. I I note that the the city of Springfield is listed as one of those entities on on several projects here, Mm -hmm. like the Lake Springfield Beach, uh, Pillsbury, they're one of the entities there would be in charge of that, even more outdoor dining down downtown. But uh, the city's had the chance to have the beach open for the last dozen years and hasn't done it. They've resisted requests for assistance with Pillsbury. And we just had a big dust up downtown when they wanted to proceed with more outdoor dining on the Adams Street block. And then the mayor changed it on them at the last minute. So Mm -hmm. when when you've got the city listed as that, how how much can we really depend on that, that they're really fully on board or that any of the entities are are really on board for some of the, the tough decisions and the big asks that would be 
be required here. Yeah, democracy's tough. <laughs> and I, I don't envy the city council and the mayor on some of these tough decisions, especially in a, a community the size of Springfield where everybody kind of knows one another. That, that said, I, I am hopeful that this plan, with the best public process we could envision during a pandemic, and it, it wasn't our typical process. We couldn't do the face-to-face meetings last fall. Um, hopefully this gives some political cover to uh, have those decision makers, those policy makers make those tough decisions because we, we think that this does have some consensus from the community. You're never going to make everyone happy. Uh, that's, that's humans. Um, but I do feel that the city has stepped forward to say, yes, we're willing to try on a whole host of these items. And the reality is a lot of these had to be the city. There's no other way to do it, especially in the public domain. You have to have government involved if it's going to be a community project. If it's a private business or a private residency or something, of course, it's easier to get there. But we're talking about collective action uh, for the entire community. It, it's really an unavoidable thing, but also I think it's the way it should be. And maybe that's just my own worldview. I, I'm a big believer in democracy, and it, it does get messy sometimes, especially on local issues when you know everybody. Something you mentioned this morning during the announcement, because one of the, the points being brought up is uh, this isn't just an abstract plan for the future. Some of these things are already being implemented, yeah. already being worked on. You talked about the fact there is a, a strategy in development right now to tackle our homelessness yeah. problem here in Springfield. What, where does that stand? What's the status of that? Um, there has been consultants retained, both local and national-based and there, I, I don't know if the ink is dry in the contract, but the con- consensus is there to fund it. And uh, it's going to be really led by the um, continuum of care agencies. So that's exciting. I think and who's funding it? It is, um, I think, eight different organizations okay. that put in some skin. The city, the county, the community foundation, HSHS, Memorial, SIU, uh, the housing authority, and United Way, if I didn't mention them. So yeah. it's... It's a uh, that's exciting to me uh, because you I don't know if we've ever co-funded anything with that many organizations, especially those organizations who have a great responsibility for the community. So I think um, there's a lot of conviction there to get it right this time. And I don't know that I've ever seen that in my career at the Community Foundation, at least that's nearly 20 years now where uh, people have come together to really get a strategy for how we're going to address uh, helping the most vulnerable among us. Is there a timeline for completion of that strategy? I, I believe at the end of this year we should have something in place, but the the contract, I think, will last for 18 months, so it's not just here's your plan, th- good luck. Uh, they're going to stick with us, especially with this local input. What do you see as the most ambitious thing that's been put forward in this plan, the one that's going to take the the most effort, the most time, the most money to make happen? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'd say some of the projects that are based for a physical location, downtown East Springfield, medical district, those are all big parts of the old city core, which that's we're kind of a, not a unique story. If you look around the Midwestern United States, cities our size, there's a lot of depressed areas. And I think all those various parts would qualify in that definition. Uh, the fairgrounds is also something that's been kind of neglected for many years from the state with struggles with budgets and state government. Those are all millions and millions of dollars. Um, but I, 
again, it's a unique time right now. I, I see resources that have appeared in a way I haven't in my lifetime. So if we're going to ever take a project that may have taken 10 years, maybe it could take three when you have these federal resources. If the infrastructure bill gets passed in Congress, a lot of those funds could be used for projects like that. So again, in a way, we kind of got lucky uh, that this the timing of this with all these stimulus dollars uh, coming into play. And I was very heartened to hear the, the leaders today on the stage mention those dollars. I thought you were going to say Benedictine because oh, that, that's that is an, yeah, a, that's a big sprawling one campus, big buildings, yep. old buildings. Um, what do you do with that? And how, I mean, I, you know, I know it's in the plan, but seriously, where do you even start? Yeah, well, you know, I have a personal affection there. I went to Ursuline Academy in Springfield College, so I know those buildings well. Worked at Ursuline for a time, and I don't have any, um, oh, hard and fast ideas of my own, but there are things that can be done. If we deploy various economic development tools for tax credits, for um, it's in part of the Peoria Road TIF district. There are different layers of funding you could bring to bear to, I think, make headway there, whether it be uh, senior housing or uh, early childhood education facilities, historic preservation agencies that may headquarter in Springfield. Uh, the music hall at uh, the old Ursula Hall uh, is a phenomenal, you know, one of a kind property in all of central Illinois. I think with. Um, with enough imagination and enough resources, you can do anything. But it, it'll take a lot of work. It'll take people coalescing around that. I, I know the city uh, is is very interested in that property as well, and it, and they they're the champion on that one, so they're committed to seeing it forward. John, finally, we're almost out of time. How can the community play a role in this going forward? Well, I I said it today at the announcement, to get involved in any way people feel possible. At the Community Foundation, we do that by people who are philanthropic, who want to create long-term funds for the future of the community. And without that, Jim, frankly, we wouldn't have had the courage to step forward and say, "Let's, let's try and bring people together. So call us if you want to set up a charitable fund. But give to charities directly. I think that that's very helpful for any public good. Uh, I, I mentioned again today, participate in government, vote, go to city council meetings, go to the ward meetings that are coming about, know who your county board member is. All of those things, I think, are really important. But just volunteer and just ask. I, I think that the power of just inquiry and uh, volunteerism is quite a powerful tool. And I, again, I'll just close on this. We wouldn't have put it in this plan unless we thought it was real. And I think we can really do a lot of these projects. TN10.org. You can find the information there. And the Community Foundation for the Land of Lincoln's website is? It's CFLL.org. John Stremster for Community Foundation for the Land of Lincoln. Thanks so much for your time. Congratulations. Hey, thanks, Jim.